Welcome to Any Honey and the Newt. Welcome to another episode of Any Honey in the Newt, and we're so glad to have another guest speaker with us this week. We've got Katie here, a good friend of ours, and, and we're glad to have a chance to talk with you, Katie. Hi, guys. It's really <laughs> exciting to be on this podcast. I have been looking forward to this for a very long time. A little bit nervous, too. <laughs> Same this, here. It's great because we've been trying to get you on in some way, shape, or form. And actually, uh, one of the questions, which we haven't really been asking people, uh, well, we have in one way or another, but not directly, uh, actually is inspired by you. So I'm really looking forward to coming up with that part of it. Nice. So just as a recap to our audience, uh, this season, we're looking at love and relationships as general themes. But of course, we've explored that in a lot of different ways. You know, we've talked about what it is for a fan to love a sport or to love a team. We've talked about what it means for a player to love the game that they've dedicated their lives to. We've talked about player-player relationships, how they are with their teammates. And we've talked about uh, the relationship of players to their organization or to the fans and just larger notions of relationship in general. Uh, we veered away from basketball and, and those relationships to talk about society and interpersonal relationships. And we've been very fortunate to speak with uh, family and friends about how that can be expressed in different ways and in different kinds of relationships. So here we are now with a good friend of ours for, for many years and very excited to, to have your input on this topic. I wouldn't feel comfortable talking about it except that I love you guys. So Aww. let's dive right in. Well, that's nice. a good place to start. Nothing gets Corbin more uncomfortable than when you tell him how much you love him. Perfect. <laughs> start shifting the seat. <laughs> but only in the podcast. He can handle it in person, but in the podcast, he's like, shut up. <laughs> so uh, we've been trying to basically start with a very easy question. Uh, why don't you just tell us what love is? Oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that I know what love is, except that I'd say it's a feeling. I, I, I've like quizzed almost everybody in my life over the last few weeks, asking them these questions. And it's so interesting to like get to bond over the questions you've created. And mm -hmm. one of my friends said, I, I'm not sure what love is. Is it a feeling? Um, and I think it is. I think love is a feeling. I, I also think that it's, um, for me, something that's really important. It has something to do with community that is um, precious, I mm. think, and connecting and creates meaning for me um, and is part of what drives me in the choices that I make in my life. Um, so it's, it's more, you know, there's a functional role of love for me personally in my life, in addition to like it being like that feeling you have in your chest when you know you're at home mm. with good people. Yeah, so it indi uh, you indicated like uh, maybe motivation, uh, love as a type of motivation. Is Do you see the emotion related to that or are these different aspects of a, a more complex kind of notion or uh, these are just totally different ways that we can conceive of love? When you know, when you said that we were going to do a podcast about love, what was interesting is I was really focused mostly on thinking about love for strangers, mm. um, and and thinking about you know the 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 anonymity of love when you come across someone doing something beautiful or I don't I don't know exactly what I mean by all of this, but like 
um, that was my focus, but there's also, you know, love for, you know, an idea or love for a place or, you know, love for basketball. <laughs> you, uh, you mentioned the anonymity of it. Can you think of a situation in your life that would kind of articulate what you mean there? Um, I met someone on the trail who gave, I, I hiked the Continental Divide Trail from Mexico to Canada in 2019. And I was very, very hungry and very tired all of the time. And I met someone, I think in many ways, she sort of embodied love for me and, and me love for her. I mean, it was, it was really an incredible encounter. Um, when she met me, her son had just moved out to um, San Diego and he was um, living out of his car and looking for a job and she was so worried about him. And somehow when we met, the story came pouring out of her and um, I was very hungry and she had a warm um, like pastry filled with delicious vegetables in her hands and she basically just gave me her dinner. Mm. And I think that she was expressing love for her son but also love for me, um, you know, and saying yes and receiving that gift from her was, you know, a way that I could love her back. Um, even though it felt like too big a gift, I was so hungry and it was so heavy and amazingly delicious and the potatoes were perfectly peppered mm. and so forth. Um, and I never saw her again, you know, and I never had a chance to say thank you. And, and there's just, that was an, an it was an anonymous moment. Mm but it was love. One thing that uh, has come up in previous conversations that we've had is this difference, not difference, but the, the way it feels to be loved by someone and what it means to be loved and then what it means to love someone else. Uh, you would want to talk a little bit about maybe those different orientations or aspects? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's worth noting that my husband, Andrew, died in 2018, five months after we got married. And mm -hmm. so it's interesting as a widow to think about love because I want to insist that it's in the beholder, right? <laughs> like that I get to carry a live version of our love together forward, even though, you know, he is no longer with me and we're not able to share that life together. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to say it's a one-way street, <laughs> but I also realize and recognize that there is a bias here and that, you know, the living, loving relationships are different. Like it's a two-way street that it's, it means something to receive love um, that I don't get to experience with Andrew anymore. Hmm. Um, but it's important too. Yeah. You also, um, <clears throat> you also were previously married and, um, as I think about this now, I also think of the parallel between my our interview with my dad, who also recently had a spouse die and was previously married before that. And so um, we kind of heard his take on love, especially in those kinds of relationships. But I wonder if you would uh, articulate a little bit about how the love differs from, you know, from one of those big long-term committed relationships to another, and especially with uh, your spouse having passed. Um, I don't want to answer that question, not because it's not interesting, but what I want to do is, is just say something about both experiences, right? Like sure. divorce is different from widowhood. They're both tremendous losses and really big life disruptors and 
you know, can be the sources of a lot of pain for, for many people. And I think it's important to talk about these things um, mm -hmm. because they're a bit taboo. Um, but I would also say that like this, like you ask what, what is love? Like, I think it's about this, this, this risking of pain and loss for the tremendous opportunity to create close connection and meaning, right? And that there's something extremely human of being a vessel for both that, um, you know, fragility and that strength, right? Like the loss and the holding, like all of these different pulling, pulling apart pieces. Um, you know, there's something about like in those experiences looking at something beautiful that I now feel bittersweet about. Like when I experience happiness, it's with this undercurrent of sadness as well. Mm -hmm. And like trying to figure out how to do that honestly and feel those things deeply, I think is, is my business right now. That's my work. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I would also say, getting back to your question, Anthony, now that I've had a chance to think about it and I've, <laughs> I've delayed a little bit here. I, I think that, you know, each person that we love is this unique fingerprint, right? Like if you really are loving them, you're loving them for who they are, right? Um, and so, you know, in dating and in relationships, in romantic relationships, right, there's this feeling that there's a, a, a placeholder in your life that, you know, husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or whomever, right, like your spouse fits into that um, mold, but every person is different, right, and you love them hopefully for who they are. Um, so yeah, big, big difference between my, my first husband and my second husband, but um, both were very much loved. And you mentioned like different kinds of love or, or different objects of love. So loving a family member, loving a pet, loving a sport. Uh, and then of course, loving a romantic partner or somebody close to us. Um, do you see love as the same feeling with different kind of flavors? Like you mentioned the, the unique fingerprint or, or is it a different experience each time with each person? Or thing. Or thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's um, the feeling like I feel about mountains right in my heart like sort of the same way I feel about you know romantic partners right so like mm. the feeling can be the same but maybe the reasons are, are different every time and I would also say that it's this word that we throw around with a lot not a lot of definition perhaps the point of the podcast here um, and it comes with so many layers right mm. like, there are these pieces like um, connection that can be present or not present with love. There's, you know, compassion or there's compatibility or there's chemistry. And I feel like how those other elements get drawn in help define, this is a romantic relationship. This is a friendship. This is the way I feel about my mom and dad, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think like security is an important part in some relationships, right? It probably has more to do with, you know, the, what a parent can give a child, for example. Um, anyway, just some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched my head split open uh, because when you talked about uh, the different aspects, I had never thought about applying those to like ideas, concepts or other loves, you know, like you talked about the mountains, right? Uh, like the extent to which you love that relationship. And in one of our previous episodes, we were talking about love of the game and players love of the game. 
and I, you're, you were starting to kind of articulate at least what I was thinking, which is that like, you could not love something, right? And I'll keep this as like a, a thing kind of basis. Um, you have, you try it and you're like, you know, that's not for me. Just like you date a person and you're like, oh, I don't like that person. Or you meet them at one time and you're just like, yeah, I don't think you're cool. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> there is no question there. I just, <laughs> yeah. I was just putting pieces together in my head. I was like, ouch, Anthony, you're just going to leave it at, you're not cool anymore. <laughs> but I, think like, I don't know. Something about that is interesting to me. Like there is something about the way we love that is about seeking our joy and mm. And I think when we're really good at love, like it begins to also be like, we kind of almost meld an identity with the things and people that we love. And it becomes about seeking their joy as well. Um, and, you know, I've always sort of wondered like how, how selfish, right, is love, mm. right? Is it just about seeking our own joy or is it also about, you know, the sacrifice? Um, yeah, I don't know. Where do you, where do you live? in that spectrum i was like golden colorado <laughs> <laughs> which you love i think i do uh love skiing <laughs> yeah. yeah i love colorado i'm beginning to love colorado it's true um but new mexico is my first love <laughs> never forget your first um i think that there is about probably a balance to be had of some kind but like that when things are good you're finding joy and and providing that other person joy like is is in balance right um that you're not giving or receiving too much one way or the other hmm. um that is an interesting tension though between i mean we think of love as feeling good right it, it provides some personal i i don't want to say benefit like it's not a transaction right but there's something fulfilling you mentioned like getting meaning out of the relationship and finding meaning through through loving someone or something uh but then also there does seem to be like a need to care about that other person they're not just a means to my deriving joy and happiness um so that's it's a difficult tension i don't know if there's a clear way to show how you strike that balance I, I don't know, but, you know, I would just point out you guys drove up to Colorado for Andrew's funeral, you know, and that was an expression of love for me. And it was an expression of love for him. And it wasn't fun, right? Like mm. that was not what that weekend was about. And, mm. um, right. So like, that was not, it was not selfish, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why that pops to mind. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have any good examples about. How. No, that's that's a good. Uh, I mean, definitely there was uh, meaning provided, but it wasn't about pleasure at all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's some sort. There's some sense of responsibility to it too, right? Like that's uh, Corbin. You just you you made it clear that it's not transactional, and uh, even with good friends, there's like you know like th this thing is gonna suck but I feel this sense of responsibility that I have to do this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it sort of raises this interesting question about loyalty too, right? Mm -hmm. Like how does loyalty develop over time among friendships and, you know, how does that get expressed? Um, and how do we, you know, meet or fail each other's expectations around loyalty? 
Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Sorry, Corbin, did you have a question? No, go ahead, go ahead. Um, Because we, when we were putting the series together, we wanted to ask that and it never has quite come up. Um, And I've always wondered to like, what extent you, like at what point are you allowed to break the loyalty? Right. And that's very personal, but I don't know if you have a, a gut feeling here. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are just sort of like, I don't know, crimes that are beyond the pale, right? Hmm. Um, but, you know, I think it's an end, A-N-D, opportunity that a friend told a story recently about um, a high school circumstance, a brother and his younger brother, where the younger brother ended up committing something that it was not quite a crime of passion um, and ended up being imprisoned for, for life. Hmm. Um, and that the older brother can understand that that's a just place for his younger brother to be, but um, still feel loyalty to his brother, not allow other people to talk badly about his brother, you know, um, you know, choose sides based on who supports his, his younger brother today or not, right? Like there's loyalty and there's, you know, an understanding of justice hmm. and wrongdoing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, even before the point of deciding whether or not to sever a relationship or to determine that the loyalty is no longer uh, something that's going to be sustained, there's still the reality that people come into conflict for various reasons. And even with people we care about or in love, right, that conflict is just a, a part of life. So I wonder if there's any um, anything that you would be able to say about how maybe love changes how we interact in conflict or maybe how conflict changes the love feeling and, and relationship either way, either direction. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure if this is going to quite answer your question, but you know, when I think about conflict in relationships with loved ones, um, sometimes, you know, it can be about a philosophical or political or religious <laughs> disagreement. Um, and I can wish for, you know, my loved ones to think differently than they do. And, you know, especially the political discourse is so polarized. We make angels and demons like Saul Alinsky asks us to of one another, right? And so it's easy to think when someone is thinking differently than you, like they are a demon, because that's what I've been told to think by my political party, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I am an angel and only, you know, you must think this way, right? Um, but I feel like in those, in that kind of conflict, and maybe, maybe we can talk about other kinds too, but you know, in that kind of conflict, really in any kind of conflict, I think it's so important to come to the table from a place of acceptance, like that acceptance is almost a prerequisite for love. Mm. And that if we can really wholly accept that person as they are, love them as they are then it gives them, I think, support and understanding and the freedom to be themselves. And that from that place of love, they may have then the strength to examine how their identity and these beliefs have become intertwined and give them the sort of space to breathe enough to begin to have an, a, a dialogue with you, right? If that's something that you want to pursue. But you also need to be really okay. Like you need to have actually accepted them. Like you need to be okay with the far end of the conversation. You don't win the argument. Like uh, I think that that's all right. I would also say that like 
sometimes these battles are just so not worth it, right? Mm. But like taking care of my loved ones, even at the price of being authentic, you know, is sometimes, sometimes worth it. You know, mm. I'd also say being authentic is extremely important to creating meaningful connection with our loved ones. So it's a high price to pay and it's hard to make that call over the Thanksgiving table or whatever. It is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very salient uh, kind of arena for conflict with loved ones uh, and, and figuring out how to navigate those, whether to avoid the conflict or to have a healthy and constructive kind of let's, let's work this out uh, moment or let's just eat the turkey <laughs> and talk football. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard me say this, but a very long time ago, there was a therapist who told me that um, if you show up to the gas station looking for groceries, like, you know, there might be an old banana or two, but like, really, this is not your fresh produce section that you came here for. And that's fine. And the first time it's a mistake. But the second time you show up at the gas station looking for like a fresh pineapple, like that's on you. Right. Mm. And so the idea that our loved ones don't have to be everything for us, that they're like some can be one thing for us in our lives. And we know that that's where we go for, you know, um, whatever it might be, right. The companionship or, you know, a good story or being, you know, sharing the depths of our heart, right. Like each person is just, you know, brings something different to my life. Yeah. I really like a lot of the complex kind of, um, just facets that you've drawn out. We've talked about acceptance, about freedom, about looking for like the other person's interest. There's just a whole lot of dynamics. And and the fact that uh, then you kind of started this conversation with saying that love is a feeling. It's not, you know, not a concept necessarily. Right. So it's interesting that we can pull so much kind of content out of something not necessarily explicit or, or, you know, I don't know. It's it's not necessarily a um, one one way. This is this is how I'm expressing love, and this is what's contained in it. Rather, it seems like we can go in all kinds of different directions and see that still be as representative of a relationship of love. I like what you're saying. I, it makes me think that, like, just like the simple thought that like love is just being and allowing other people to just be. Mm. Like, you know that. Like that, I guess that's the acceptance piece again, somehow. Um, but but I just like the idea that like you can sit with it and yet, you know, of course it's complex, right? We've got all these examples and they mean completely different things, you right. know, and we've got a, one syllable word for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the question that we've never really asked anybody, except for my brother who we talked, who talked, brought this up was um, at some point around the, I don't know, maybe it was like a year or two into knowing you, you had mentioned the love languages. Oh yeah. And um, one, there's, there's two questions here and maybe we'll just break them in half. I'll let you answer the first one. What are the ways that you feel you give and receive love? Yeah, so if I answer within the construct of the love languages, which is just a construct and I think there might be some things missing and so forth. <laughs> but like, um, I would say that uh, number one, quality time. Like what we're doing right now, having this kind of conversation, right? Like this is why we're friends. Like for mm. me, that is my number one love language to give and receive. Um, number two, especially in a romantic relationship, physical touch. Like 
if that's not there, like what a disaster that is. <laughs> Number three um, has got to be um, words of praise. My mom thought I was the best and she did not hold back from letting my sister and I know that we were each um, just the, the bee's knees. So I need to hear that from time to time. Um, <laughs> I totally heard that sentence going in a different direction when you were like, my mom did not hold back telling my, my sister how awesome I was. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 We have always received it's scrupulously even treatment from my parents. It's quite, it's honestly quite funny. Um, but, but, uh, and then, um, you know, the others are a little bit less for me. One thing I have hard time with is the gifts. And maybe you heard that in my story of the gift of a warm dinner on the trail. It was mm. hard for me to receive that. And it's hard for me to, give gifts that are are meaningful to others um mm. so i always appreciate christmas lists <laughs> <laughs> that's good Th yeah love language is definitely a concept that i associate with katie even though i've heard about it in different areas i feel like you've really helped like make that a, a salient notion for me yeah did you guys give your love languages in a you know previous episode that is not yet published not yet oh no, we haven't okay guys that's <laughs> your love languages <laughs> I'm definitely uh, not a big, like, I like giving gifts, um, but I don't like receiving gifts. Uh, it makes me extremely uncomfortable. Um, but I am, I think number one is physical touch. Um, you know, with friends and family, it's always hugs and stuff, but uh, it's kind of cute. Solly and I are always like legs intertwined. And if there's, if we're not, I'm like, what's wrong? What's happening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For me, definitely words of affirmation. I, I love the, the kind of just kindness from, from others and pointing out things maybe I doubt about myself or, um, you know, it just is reaffirming. Um, I struggle a lot with insecurity, so it's something that I really treasure. And then um, I do, I like physical touch as well. One of the things I think uh, my favorite way to give love, well, I think I use words of affirmation too because I crave them so much, but also like acts of service. I'd rather go do something for you and maybe not even tell you about it, then uh, try and put together a gift or some kind of presentation for you. I, sometimes I think I like to do sneak love attack or whatever. <laughs> That's like a Katie prank right there. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I think is not on the list is um, something like being understood. I really, oh, wow. really crave not just being understood, but being witnessed right? Like, this is one of the reasons why, you know, my parents and my sister are such precious relationships for me for, for many, many, many reasons. But they, you know, have seen me through, you know, birth to now. And, um, and that's, that's just something I'm grateful for. And, and the length of our friendship, right? Like, the older I get, the better old friends get. Mm. <laughs> so. That's a really good one. I definitely, uh, if I feel misunderstood, so, so I may not notice it when I'm being understood as an act of love, but certainly when I feel misunderstood, I immediately project some kind of like antagonism or foul motive <laughs> in the other person. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Another one that I wonder whether like it's completely covered by um, acts of service is uh, just like being taken care of, mm. right? Like the, oh, I understand that like your feet hurt, like let me you know, I'll put a 
pillow under your feet or whatever. Like that's acts of service. Yes. But like, what makes that so special? Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Like there are some acts of service where it's just like, I would not notice that the, the trash got taken out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, that's good. So uh, one thing that we've just kind of try to do in each of these uh, episodes is maybe there's something that we didn't think to ask you that you really wanted to say about this topic uh, or something else that you wanted a chance to to take the stage with. So it's all yours. Wow. Um, I'm sure that later a million things will come to my mind, but what I have in mind at the moment is just this idea um, that it's worth it, right? Mm. That like, you know, I don't know. It seems a little bit like cliff, cliff diving. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> you know, you hit the rocks and other times it's a wonderful experience. And I think just continuing to live it, whether it's bad or good or a million other adjectives that we can put together, right? Like it's worth the journey. I feel mm. like it's, it's, a, it's an essential component of the human experience. I, I don't know if we need to say this for legal reasons or not. Uh, even if cliff jumping is exciting and adventurous, we're not necessarily promoting it. <laughs> we're promoting diving into love, but not necessarily diving into rocks. Just saying. Yes, or we're not. I don't want to get sued over somebody uh, falling in love and being like, they told me to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to hurt. Sorry about that. You know, welcome to the real life, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, this is an analogy only. No clip right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, uh, it's good. We've talked, to, I think it was your mom, uh, Anthony, that talked about risk, like the important mm. relationship between trust and risk. And you almost need an element of risk to kind of um, know that the trust is there. Something along those lines. I had a therapist, um, shout out to John Cale, he's still in Albuquerque, um, who said trust plus vulnerability mm. equals love. And I think it's probably a lot more complicated than that, but it's a, you know, again, maybe trust and vulnerability are prerequisites. And I think the vulnerability piece gets to your point about risk or Anthony Swan's point about risk. Um, yeah. You basically summed up her whole session in two words, trust plus <laughs> vulnerability. <laughs> that is not me. That is not me. That is my first service. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, personal anecdotes and your thoughts. Um, we just appreciate gathering uh, insight from people that have lived life and lived relationships and people that we respect. So uh, really grateful for your time. Oh, love you guys. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I can't, I don't know if I can even do the art thing. <laughs> yes, you did. You did it. <laughs> nice. <laughs>